0: All right. All right, let's try that again. Give Jesus some praise this morning. Come on. All right. <laughs> I hope you're ready to, uh, to learn from God's Word today, and I hope you're glad that you came to church today. Uh, if you were not here last week, by the way, real quick, how rude of me. Let me introduce myself if you haven't been here. My name is Adam Harold, and my adorable wife Tanya and I have the privilege of leading this church together. We are a team. We lead it together. So, Um, If you were not here last Sunday, then you missed the announcement that today we would be talking about some mature subject matters, or more particularly, a a mature subject matter uh, called sex. And so um, we're talking about sex today, and if there are kids in the room, uh, we just want to make sure that we're respectful Um, and that we let the parents know that um, we will be talking about that today. And our kids team is out there ready to check your kids into service if if you're like, ooh, I don't know about that. In fact, this last Sunday or this last week, um, after that announcement last week, I had someone that has gone to church here for a long time come to me, and uh, I know her kids, and she said, so how mature are we talking here? Like, are my kids going to be okay? And I assured her, we're going to do our best to keep things PG-13, okay? So your kids probably hear worse at school. Um, but but I don't want you to go home and go, man, I wish I would have known that he was going to talk about that. And so because, listen, we're talking about it a lot, Okay. Um, today, we're going to talk about God's view of sex. Next week, we're going to... By the way, God's view of sex is the best view of sex. And so, today's going to be awesome. <laughs> Fellas, today's going to be awesome. Ladies, well, um, don't be mad at me. That's all I'm going to ask. Uh, so, today we're going to talk about God's view of sex. Because it all starts with God, right? We have to have a foundation and so we're going to talk about about God's view. And then next Sunday, we're going to talk about how Satan attacks sex, the tactics that he uses. And then uh, the next week, we're going to talk about how we can combat um, his, his tactics and how we can um, live life God's way. So um, there's going to be no judgment if you get up and take your kids out really at any moment. But this is the free pass. Later on, we will look at you and judge you if you leave with your kids. (laughs) Because we don't look at anybody and judge them ever. Um, The title of this series is called XOXO. And um, XOXO, it was really, to be honest, just a view. Like I just thought it would be a cute title to be honest with you. But then as I thought about the cute little title of XOXO, I was like, where did that even come from? And I started thinking about where, like, we sign letters, XOXO, which stands for hugs and kisses, right? But I was like, where in the world did that even come from? And so um, I dove into it a little bit. And um, there are a couple of different theories on where that came from. One theory is that the X symbolizes two mouths coming together, right? And so to, to be a kiss. Um, and But the O looks like arms coming together in the form of a hug. But really, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we say hugs and kisses. But XOXO, that way would be kisses and hugs. And so it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I dug a little deeper, and one thing that I discovered was that— in Um, in mid-century times, people that were illiterate, meaning they couldn't sign their name to a document, they would just, um, Christians specifically, would just sign it with an X. And then they would kiss the X as a form of loyalty to that X. And the reason it was Christians that used an X was because Um, A lot of Christians used what was known as the chiro, which is, it it looks like an X with a P over it. Um, But they're the two Greek letters, the first two Greek letters in the name Christ. And so they would use an X to to sign documents. But what's really interesting is that once uh, Jews started coming to the United States, And really, I have no idea what the United States had to do with it. But it's when the Jews started coming um, and and migrated to the United States, they didn't want to sign with an X because they didn't believe in Jesus. So guess what they would sign it with? The opposite of an X, which is obviously an O, right? And so they would, instead of writing an X, they would write an O. And the reason why the opposite of an X is an O is because of tic-tac-toe. You get it? right? <laughs> and so they would write an O, and so but then eventually people didn't want to identify as Christian or a Jew, so they just wrote XO, XO. And this is all an effort for me to put off talking about the real subject at hand. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about God's view of sex. Genesis chapter 2. You can turn there. I thought we would go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And um, before we really get into it, I need, I need the Father's help this morning. So let me ask God to help me as we pray and talk about, um, about this. God, we, um, we thank you for your word that is alive, it's active, and Lord, it shows us all of the answers to this life. God, the truth of the matter is is that Satan wants to steal everything that God intends for good. And God, Satan has done a really good job of stealing the goodness of sex. So God, I ask and I pray that you would minister to people today today as they hear about sex the way it's supposed to be. Father, that you would bring healing into lives that have been hurt. Father, because we have an enemy that wants to destroy it. So God, we ask that you would be with us today. Speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Genesis 2, 24 says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined To his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. This is the first mention of two people coming together in the Bible. And this happens before sin enters the picture. Now, if you've been in church for very long, or maybe you went to CCD growing up, right? you know that sin enters the picture. And the way that sin enters the picture is God tells Adam and Eve not to eat from the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Not the apple. We always picture an apple, right? But not to eat of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve eat the fruit. And when they do, sin enters The picture, and this is what happens in Genesis chapter three, verse seven. At that moment, what moment? The moment they ate. At that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Adam and Eve felt shame at their nakedness. And I believe, this is why I believe That shame is the ultimate tool that Satan will use to attack our view of sex. It's why so many faces are red this morning. Not just because y'all been ice fishing, right? (laughs) Because it makes you blush and it makes you feel shame. I think that this is where Satan wants us to be. I grew up in the 90s come on somebody right all the 90s kids in the house um i almost I almost went into some 90s hip hop right there but i i resisted i resisted i resisted and so um i grew up in the 90s and and what has been labeled from the 90s the purity culture right we labeled it purity culture and i grew up in church I grew up hearing about how true love waits. And I even as a youth pastor, I had a group come into my youth ministry called the Silver Ring thing that would come and they would promote abstinence and trying to teach kids that um, that to wait for marriage before they have they have sex. And my wife and I we both waited till marriage to to be intimate with each other and and be, but that's what we were taught and I I just we've labeled it purity culture and really it's kind of gotten a bad rap because um, what it did was it just produced a lot of shame. In fact, it produced so much shame that I have friends that will tell me, Adam, uh, that, that would ask me, Adam, on your wedding night, did you feel shame after you slept with your wife? And we create this this culture based on sex outside of marriage is bad and because of that we feel shame even when we have sex in the context of good we teach we've taught for long too long that sex outside of marriage is bad and not that sex inside of marriage is best Today I'm I'm preaching a message today that I wish I would have heard as a teenager because yes sex is good but sex inside of marriage is best and I just wish I wish someone would have, would have taught me that. And so today we're looking at God's view and why God says that sex inside of marriage is best. So let's go back to the garden, all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve. She became pregnant and she gave birth to Cain, and she said, with the Lord's help, I will produce a man. We can learn so much from this verse, but on the surface, it's like, duh, Adam had sex with Eve, and she got pregnant. Duh, of course that happened, right? But when you really dig into the word that in our English translation that we read this morning, which is the New Living Translation, The word used is sexual relations, and when you really dig into that word that is in the original language, which many of you may know is not English, it's actually in the Old Testament, it's Hebrew, right? And so the Hebrew word used here isn't sexual relations, it's the word yada, Y-A-D-A, yada, do you know what yada means? Yada means to know. But it doesn't just mean to know, but it means to know intimately. In fact, to explain what yada means, I'm going to let my friend George tell you about what yada means. Listen to this. Marcy comes over and she tells me that her ex-boyfriend was over late last night and yada, 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 I'm really tired today. <laughs> you don't think she'd yada, yada, sex. I've yada, yadded sex. Really? Yep. I met this lawyer. We went out to dinner. I had the lobster bisque. We went back to my place. Yada, yada, yada. I never heard from him again. But you yada, yada over the best part. No, I mentioned the bisque. Well, I gotta do something. Yeah, I don't think Seinfeld knew how brilliant that was. Yada yada yada. Not just something that you use to describe my sermon after afterwards on Sunday either, right? We use the term yada 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 to dis- explain when we are annoyed with a story, right? You know why we do that, yada, yada, yada? You know why? We do it because what we're saying is, I already knew what they were talking about so intimately that they were wasting their time with them telling it to me, yada, yada, yada. And so what the word yada means is to know something Intimately, in fact, not just to know it intimately, but to know it so intimately that you're in covenant relationship with it. To know something so intimately that you're in relationship with it covenant relationship. What covenant means is it means to promise. In fact, the Old Testament, we describe it as the old covenant. The New Testament, we describe it as the new covenant, the new promise. God, when he forms a covenant, it cannot be broken. To yada something is to be in covenant relationship with it. The very word used to translate Sex, in the Hebrew language, describes God's desire for sex. That we be in covenant, that we know it. Now check this out, because it gets better. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it gets better, right? Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the same verse that we just read. In the English standard, it says, Now Adam knew his wife Eve. The other translation said, has sexual relations with her. But this one says, he knew her. He had her. And she conceived and bore a child, Cain, saying, I have gotten a man to help of the Lord, with the help of the Lord. Now, Psalm chapter 139, verse 1. Go to that. In the New Living Translation, it says, Oh, Lord. You have examined my heart, and know everything about me. Psalm one thirty nine one. Do you know what the original language uses there? You do. Yada. So, the same word that. Genesis uses that Adam slept with his wife Eve and she got pregnant is the same word that it uses to describe God's knowledge of me. He knows me intimately. But it gets better. Because when you go to Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, it says this, he will flatter. This is, this is talking about the Antichrist being the guy that's going to come. He's not come yet. He's going to come, and he's going to trick people that don't know Jesus that he is Jesus. He's going to trick them. And he says in Daniel eleven thirty two he will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will be strong and resist him. Do you know what the Hebrew word there is? Yada. Three different uses of the word yada, to know, are used to describe how God knows me, how I know God, and how man knows his wife. Intimately. And that brings me to today's big idea. If I had one thing I wanna communicate to everyone today, it is this, and it's not just for the men, it's also for the women. It's this, God's design for sex is that sex is a worshipful act. It's a worshipful act. To worship means to honor or to show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. Not exactly what you're thinking about when you're about to, well, don't use your imagination. So to conclude today's message, and we've got a ways to go, so don't get too excited about that. But to conclude the message, I want to give you four ways that sex is a worshipful act. Four times that sex is a worshipful act. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. If anything, write it down so that somebody can read it later and be like, where were you at this morning? (laughs) Sex is worship when it is done in covenant relationship. Let me say it again. Sex is worship when it is done in covenant relationship. You know why true love waits? because sex is worship. But my mom and dad weren't gonna teach me that as a 17-year-old boy. In fact, we're probably not gonna go teaching 17-year-old boys that sex is worship. But sex in the covenant relationship of marriage is worship. The reason sex is worship is because sex is a picture of salvation. Think about that for a moment. It's a picture of salvation. Here's what I mean, and I'm going to get into this again in a moment. Actually, let me go to number two, and then I'll get to it in a second. How's that? Number two, sex is an act of worship when it is done in unity. When it is done in unity. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 through 25, says this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife and the two are united as one. Now the man and his wife are, were both naked and they felt no shame. You know why I think they don't, didn't feel shame? Because they were united when doing it. This is why it's so important for you to be careful with who you join with. This is why it's a big deal It's not just a one night stand. It's a big deal to be united together. Unity is always God's plan for us. But let me just say that this is why being united in everything in life, I think. In fact, This is why, for marriage, can I give you a marriage tip that I didn't expect to to give you this morning? (laughs) I have to be careful. When I go off my notes and I'm talking about this subject matter, it's really dangerous. (laughs) But this is why makeup sex is great sex. To be unified. It unifies you together. It brings you together together. In unity, it has to be done in unity. Number three. Sex is an act. Uh, sex is an act of worship when it is a picture of salvation. So let's go back to what I said with number two. Number two is that um, that sex is an act of worship. Sorry, g- number one was when sex is an act of worship was in covenant relationship. The reason it's in covenant relationship is because it's a picture of salvation. The reason it's a picture of salvation is because it's, it's two becoming one is a picture of God becoming one with man. Jesus left heaven to come to earth so that he could become one with man. It's a picture of salvation. So... In covenant relationship, it's worship. In unity, it's worship. In salvation, it's worship. By the way, in salvation, yada is when God knows us, when we know God, and when husbands know their wives. Salvation. Number four. Sex is an act of worship because it is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Genesis chapter one, are you guys still with me? Genesis chapter one, verse 27, says this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry all, uh, along the ground. Here's the thing. This happens before Adam and Eve eat the apple, or eat the fruit, sorry. Freudian slip. Here's, like this happens before sin enters the picture. But, after sin enters the picture, this isn't the only time that God says to mankind, "Be fruitful and multiply." He says it again to a man by the name of Noah. You know who Noah was? Noah built a ark, right? Noah built an ark because the flood waters came, and once the flood waters descended, in Genesis chapter nine, verse one, God says this: Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, "Be fruitful." and multiply. You know what God is saying? Have sex. That's not exactly how he said it, but that's what he's saying. You know why? Because it's a gift. It's something that he wants for us. But Satan will always do everything he can to rob us of what God wants for us. And here's the truth this morning. The truth this morning is up until this moment, I have only told you half of the truth. I have only told you about Yedah. I haven't told you about all the other words in the Old Testament that are translated sex. Because there are about, about five or six others, I'm gonna give you four different times, of, of different forms of Hebrew that tell us about about sex. The first one is in Exodus chapter 19, verse verse 15. It says, he told them, get ready for the third day and until then abstain from having sexual intercourse. The same English translation there. But the Hebrew word is nagash. And I'm doing terrible at pronouncing that. Nagash means... To draw near to or to pursue, right? Nagash means to pursue. In, in Exodus, um, this is after the children of Israel leave Egypt. In fact, we're about to read this in our Bible recap, right? 19. I think it's tomorrow's reading, right? We read 18 today. And so he's, he's telling the, the, the guys in, in Israel, Don't pursue your wife right now, right? But the word there is translated uh, sexual intercourse. Number two, Exodus chapter 21, verse 10. If a man who has married a slave wife takes another wife for himself, he must not neglect the rights of his first wife to food, clothing, and sexual intimacy, the Hebrew word is onah. <laughs> Some of the things guys get used to hearing that, by the way. Onah—that's a bad joke. I'm sorry. That was terrible. That was awful. <laughs> Here's what onah means. It means cohabitation or conjugal rights. It's like it's actually, and it's tr- it's translated sex in English. But as you can see, it falls short of what God's desire is. God's desire is intimacy. Number three is in Leviticus chapter 18. There's a whole bunch of them. Leviticus chapter 18, the headline in my Bible, it says forbidden sexual practices. Meaning in all of Leviticus 18, you can go and you can read it later this week it gives all these rules for sex. All these, all these things that, that, you shouldn't, that you shouldn't do when it comes to sex. However, do you know which Hebrew word is not present in Leviticus 18 about forbidden practices of sex? Yadah is not present. Because Yadah is always the, the, the goal for the believer. That's God's desire for us, is yada, not other ones that are present in Leviticus 18, like gala, which means to uncover, or shakab, which means to lie down. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 4, it says, so Abraham, or so Abram, had sexual relations with Hagar. Now, the story of of Abraham and Hagar, for for those that may not be familiar. So Abram, who later, his name is changed to Abraham. He was married to a wife named Sarah. Also, her name was Sarai. Man, the Bible is so confusing sometimes. She was known as Sarai before she was known as Sarah. Well, Sarai couldn't have a baby. Abraham and Sarah both got so frustrated. They just just wanted a baby of their own. And so Sarai goes to Abraham one day, Abram one day, and goes, You know what? Just sleep with one of your servants. Things were different back in the Old Testament, guys. Sleep with one one of your servants. And this is what happens. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, the servant, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. You know what's really interesting there is that all the way back in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, it said that Abram, uh, Adam, sorry, Adam had sexual relations with Eve and she got pregnant. Here it says that Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she got pregnant. But guess what? The Hebrew word here it's not the word yadah. In the original language it's the word bo. And what it tells me is that bo is not an intimate knowledge. Bo is literally translated I need to remind you, we're PG-13 today. Bo is literally translated to go into. Not to be intimate and to know. And what this teaches me is that you can have sex with someone and not be intimate with them. And that's Satan's goal for your sex life. And that's what we'll talk about next week. Stand your feet. I want to pray with you. If you can't talk about it in church, but you can talk about it at work, there's a problem. Satan will do everything he can. To rob you of intimacy, not just with your spouse, with your friends, with but but ultimately with, with God. Because if intimacy is not achievable, then it is impossible to know God the way that He desires to know you, and you know Him. You know, it it amazes me that no matter what in my life, God yadas me. He knows me because He formed me, because he, He created me, and He knows everything that I've ever done He still loves me. That blows my mind. Because I know me. And I know that there are times I don't like me. There are times that I don't love me. But God, He does me all the time. And He loves me all the time. But the truth is, is that God's goal for my life is that I would yada him, that I would know him so intimately that when the Antichrist comes to trick everybody into knowing, knowing God, that, that he's Jesus, that I will be so close to the real thing That the fake thing won't fool me. That's what God wants. He wants to know you. And in fact, he's done everything he can to know you, including sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin so that you can come into relationship with him, so that you can be intimate with him. We're going to open up the doors on my right. We call that our next steps area. If you have any questions about today, if you've been hurt sexually and you need prayer, that's for you today. We want to do this life with you because you're not meant to do this life alone. And there are burdens and things that we carry in this life that we carry it alone that God doesn't intend us to. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus that died on the cross to save us from all sin so that we can be brought into a relationship with our Father. Father, it's my desire because I believe it's your desire that every person in this room would die you today. That they would know you intimately. Father, I pray that they would come to to you and that they would bow before you. And Father, if there's anyone in this room right now that needs to do that, Lord, I pray that they would say this prayer. If you need to do that today, would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I need you because I've sinned. And I know that my sin kept me from the Father that loves me so much, the perfect Father. I confess that I've done wrong and I need the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross to make me new. Come into my life. I invite you in, Jesus. Amen. If you said that prayer, please stop by Next Steps. We've got the next thing for you. We're going to sing a great song this morning. We thought a better song to sing to close out. A message like this one by talking about how great are you, Lord. Let's sing, and then we'll be dismissed.